Amen. And we'll send off the kids to Kid Zone. We're so thankful. Thank you, Greg, for our uh, Kid Zone teachers who faithfully teach the kids God's Word week in and week out. So thankful for their ministry to our kids. And uh, the kids were going to go earlier, but they heard we we're going to sing this little light of mine, and they decided they needed to stick around for that. So we're so thankful. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to open them with me, we are in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and that is the passage we'll be looking at today. Before we do that, let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you'd talk over me while I talk to them, that your light would shine through your word as it is read and preached. Do this for your glory's sake, for the sake of the world, that they might know the truth, for our sake, that we can max out our purpose. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 5, uh, we've been working through the Beatitudes, and now we're jumping into a series called Different. But before we do that, I'd like to talk about something that I know is true about you. Here's something that I know is true about you. You want to make a difference. I know you want to make a difference, and I don't know where you want to make a difference, but I know you do want to make a difference. So some of you you might want to make a difference on your team. A positive difference on your team, that you would change the culture of your team. Maybe you're in school or college or something like that. Some of you want to make a difference at work. You'd want to leave your place of work and the people's lives that you're around at work, you'd want to leave them better off than where you started. you want to point them to Christ. Some of you would want to make a difference in your family. You'd want to Change the trajectory of your family for good and forever. You'd really want to make a difference in your family. Well, here's, here's my argument this morning. This is the point I'm going to try to make this morning. To make a difference, you must be different. So think of the coach coming into the team and trying to change the culture of the team. He has to be different than his predecessor. He has to be different than the current culture on the team. It may not make everyone happy, but he has to be different if he's going to change the culture of the team. Think of, think of the fixer that the, the parent company sends into the branch to fix it. She has to be different than the current culture that is there if she's going to fix this. She won't make friends with everyone, but she's got to be different if she's going to change the culture of that branch. Think of, think of people who are really trying to make a difference. Now, some of you, this might make you mad even when I just say this, but you could probably think of people that, you, you know, you could probably think of these that you would like, but I'm going to use the word activists. Activists are trying to make a difference by being different, really different. They're trying to change things. And there's activists that you'd like, and there's activists that you don't like. But the point is, 
they are trying to be different and trying to make a difference by being different. This is Jesus' point of what he's telling us is you are going to make a difference in the world by being different. You don't get to make a difference in the world by fitting in perfectly and smoothly and no one knowing you're there. You make a difference in the world by being different. And if you're not different, you won't make a difference. This is Jesus' point. And how in the transition between uh, verse 12 and verse 13. So as Brendan preached so well last week, uh, the final beatitude, the final hashtag blessed series I'm just going to read verse 12. Rejoice and be glad when people revile you and are speaking all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The prophets were like activists for God. They were like activists for righteousness' sake. And people hated the prophets and reviled the prophets because the prophets were trying to make a difference by being different. And now Jesus says, you're going to be just as different in your culture as the prophets were in their culture. You are going to be different. This is, this is what he's getting at when he says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Not you might be the salt of the earth, not if you try hard enough, you could be the salt of the earth. But he says something desperately profound, something that I find just awesome. This one and the next one. You are the salt of the earth. When I was uh, working at, at Kendall, I was a custodian there at night. And I went to school during the day. We had gotten married. So I had to get a haircut and a real job while I went to college. And so I went to school during the day and then worked at night. And I hated hated packing a lunch. Didn't have time to pack a lunch. I probably had time, but I hated it. So I also couldn't afford to go out to lunch. So my solution was buy a big box of, I think it was five-minute rice. And um, it was a cup of, cup of rice, cup of water, if I remember right, in a big bowl. Put it in the microwave, five minutes, get it out. Lots of salt and pepper on it. Salt and pepper because people would just leave that alone. They don't care about that. And even if they took it or did something to it, I can always get more salt and pepper, right? That's not very hard. And that's what I would have for lunch every day was five-minute rice, salt and pepper. One time, one time I decided that um, I had tried this, I think it was like all-seasons salt. I thought, this is spectacular, this is amazing. You know, I was, I was in college. I didn't know anything about it. My mom always did all of our, I had no idea. So I'm like, this is amazing. So I went to the, I went to the store and thought, Mrs. Dash, this must be just like all season salt. You're, you're laughing because you've done some cooking. And so Mrs. Dash is salt substitute. So I put this on my, on my rice and I, oh, this is terrible. This, say, what is this? Now, if you have to eat salt substitute, I'm cheering for you. I'm not mad at you. I am with you. I make sacrifices for nutrition too, but 
I'm just thankful I don't have to, I can have salt. So, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You will make a positive difference by being different. Look what he says about this. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, if it's salt substitute, how shall its saltiness be restored? Now this is a question because salt doesn't ever actually lose its saltiness. But pure salt cannot lose its taste. This is the point. In the ancient world, however, what was often sold as salt was highly adulterated because it didn't have the purifying processes we do. And sodium chloride, that's the salt, could leach out in the humid weather. In which case, the residue, normally a form of lime, it would still look like salt, but it would be useless. It is no longer, so if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Look, if you're not, this is a Jesus point, if you're not different, if you're not salty, if you're not salt being salt, if you're just like everything else, it's worthless. The residue of the white powder still looked like salt and doubtless was still called salt, but it neither tasted nor acted like salt. It was just road dust. Because it was no longer different. The only credibility we have is how different we are. The only reason anyone will ever listen to us is because we're different. And if we stop being different, they will stop listening to us and we will lose all of our credibility. We'll be no longer good for anything because we'll be just like everybody else. We will not make a difference because we are not different. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And then he said something even more amazing to me. He said... You are the light of the world. And I read this, and if anyone else but Jesus said this, I go, wait, 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 stop, 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 that's heresy. Because Jesus is the light of the world. But Jesus said, he looks at these Palestinian peasants and says to them, you, you, are the light of the world. Why don't you say that? Just say, I am the light of the world. Say that with me. I am the light of the world. There has to be part of you. I know there is a me going, that's not true. That's not true. Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world because you are different. As different as light is than darkness. Light is light because it's different than darkness. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. When you go camping, you don't get out your light and turn it on and then put it under a basket. You don't do that. And Jesus says, that's not what I'm trying to do. 
I don't, I'm not doing that when I'm calling you to be my disciples. I'm not lighting a lamp with you and then trying to hide you. That's not what I'm doing. I've lit you like a lamp. And then what does it say next? But I'm on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So you light your lamp, and you put it up as high as you can. Maybe you hang it from the roof of the tent, and it gives light to the whole tent. And everybody benefits from it because it is different. It makes a difference because it is different. In the same way, let your light shine before others. And what is your light? What is your light? Is it your ranting and raving? What is your light? They may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Your light is your good works because your good works is what's different. Everybody rants and raves. Your good works are what sets you apart. Your good works are what makes you different. Your good works are your light, and your good works are your saltiness. Let's just, let's just stop a minute and sit with what Jesus just said. I don't want to run past this. I want you to feel the weight of this. Jesus looked at them, and Jesus would look at us and say, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Because you are different. You know, you're trying to take your fish from the Sea of Galilee three, four days south to Jerusalem. How do you get dead fish in the Palestinian sun from the Sea of Galilee to the markets in Jerusalem and have them not smell really, really bad? You salt them. You salt them, and they make it. Salt makes a difference. Jesus is saying, you are the, you're a preservative. You are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. You shine like a light in the darkness. And, and I just think, there's got to be a couple of us going, not me. I'm not. Well, let's, let's, say, let's look at how Jesus could say this. And let's back up to chapter 4 and look at how he could say this. Remember, what I want to talk to you about is how to be different and how to make a difference. That's where we're ultimately going. I want to back up and talk about why you're different. Why Jesus can say this with such confidence and certainty and absoluteness. Why can he say this about you? This is what, you know, so you tell yourself, I I can't do this. But then you say, wait, wait, stop, stop. Jesus is talking to me about why I am different, okay? So, in chapter 4, in the middle of it, Jesus is starting his ministry. So, Jesus has just faced down the devil and uh, in the wilderness, and now he is going to start his ministry in chapter 4, and he starts 
there's quite a few phrases here about where he starts in the north. So it says, in the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way by the sea, beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the, of the what? If you have it open. Of the Gentiles. You know the really holy people that everyone aspires to be? No, absolutely not. The people that, the, that everyone kind of looked down on. The Jewish people would look down on and say, really, the Gentiles? Like, like Jesus went where you wouldn't want to go to find recruits. This is not where you where typically go to find the holiest, smartest, best people. Jesus goes up to the people that have been colonized and compromised by the Assyrians. This is a quote from Isaiah chapter 9. These people have been colonized by and corrupted by, compromised by the Assyrians. And Jesus starts his ministry there, and this is a summary of it from Isaiah chapter 9, but quoting from Matthew chapter 4. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. It is different, and it is making a difference, and that difference is Jesus. Jesus shows up to these lost, broken people sitting in the dark and shines a light on them that they cannot deny. And they're like, wow, we have seen a great light. And that light is Jesus. And those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And that light is Jesus. And here's the amazing thing. And Jesus, look at this, these people he's preaching to, and turns to them and says, You are the light of the world. You know why? Because Jesus came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and they did, and they followed him, and Jesus was so confident in what he could do in them that he could say in the present, you are the light of the world You are the salt of the earth because I know what I am going to do in you and through you. Jesus doesn't look at them and see spectacularness. He looks at them and says, I know what I can do with them. I know what I'm going to make them. And he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, I know what I'm going to do with her. I know what I'm going to do with him. I'm going to make them the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And he's so confident in his ability, he can look at us and tell us like it's done. This is like in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, when the Apostle Paul says of our Lord, And I know that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. I know he will. I know that he'll finish what he started in you. So, Jesus came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we see how this works itself out. Remember, we're talking about how you're different. Beatitude people are different because they repent. And so we describe this repentance process in the Beatitudes over the last several weeks. And so we said the Beatitudes are shaped like repentance. And so the first three are about really seeing your need. So I need, I need help. I need the righteousness of God. I 
I know I'm spiritually bankrupt, so I'm poor in spirit. I'm mourning my sin. I see my shortcomings. I see all the mistakes I made. I'm itchy with guilt. I'm mourning my sin. I've come to the end of myself. I'm no longer trying to take matters into my own hands. I am now submitting all my strength to God. I have become meek. And then it's about that need being satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be satisfied. And then the next three are about the fruit of that repentance and how that comes about. So you become merciful, pure, and finally peacemakers. And then the beatitude that no one seeks, but some of us experience is, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So look, if you are poor in spirit, and that poor in spirit of saying, look, I don't have all my stuff together, but I know that God has done a work in me, and so because God has been merciful to me, and God has done his work in me, I will be merciful to you. If you do that, you will be different. You will be different. It will be different for people to experience mercy that doesn't come from a place of self-righteousness. It would be different for people to experience mercy that doesn't come from a place of, look how wonderful I am, I'm doing mercy. It will be different for people to experience mercy from people who are humble in heart and know how much mercy they've experienced from God. That will be different. If you want to be different and you want to make a difference, practice mercy like that. If you want to be different and make a difference, do it as, from purity of heart. So you mourn your sin, and then you're pure of heart. It is different when people are pure, not from a place of holier than thou, not from a place of, oh, I've never messed up like that, not from a place of, well, I'm so much better than you, not from a place of, I'm this righteous, you're probably this righteous, a place of, I mourn my sin, I hate my sin, I am not going back, and so I have committed to loving God and loving neighbor. If you are that kind of pure, you will be different, and you will make a difference. You will. If if you practice peacemaking, not from a place of my will be done, it has to be done my way, and I'm going to fix you by this evening. If you practice peacemaking from a place of I'm giving all my strength to God, and he has given me the ministry of reconciliation, and so we're going to work together on reconciling this. You will be different. And that will make a difference. So, here's what I've been trying to say. You are Jesus different. This is what I mean by you are, when we say you are the salt of the earth, what I mean is you are Jesus different. I think that's what it means. When it says, you are the light of the world, I think this is what it means. You are Jesus different because Jesus called you, because Jesus is teaching you, because he's given his Holy Spirit to you, because he's forgiven you, because he's done his work in you. You are Jesus different. That's true, right? I mean, I just want to like, just push a minute. Like, you are different. 
Jesus has made a difference in your life. I just don't want to run past that. I mean, he needs to have made a difference in your life. You are Jesus different. So, keep repenting. You must keep repenting. So, Martin Luther, well, this comes from Tim Keller, who wrote an article called All of Life is Repentance. And he writes that Martin Luther opened the Reformation by nailing the 95 Theses, or bullet points, to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral. And the very first of these bullet points, or thesis, was, Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed the entire life of believers to be one of, you know the next word? Repentance. Look, you never get past being poor in spirit. When you get past being poor in spirit and you're like, you know what, I'm so past that, that's, you're proud. You need to go back to being poor in spirit, back to emptying yourself of self-righteousness. When you're like, you know what, I just don't even sin anymore. Like, I just, I haven't sinned in 20 years. I can't remember the last time I've sinned. Okay, let's go back to mourning our sin, you know, so, so we can deal with that. Like, when, it, when do you grow past mourning your sin? When do you grow past meekness? When, when are you done saying, you know what, I have to fix this, and I have to fix this myself. I have to do this, and I have to do it in my own strength, and I have to do it my way, because God isn't working, and God's not working fast enough. Or they're not working, they're not working fast enough, so I'm going to do it. When do you grow past that? When do you not need to practice meekness anymore? See, you never grow past the Beatitudes. It's not like Jesus laid out the Beatitudes and he's like, well, once you've worked through this once, you're probably done with it forever and you can forget about it. That's not how the Beatitudes work. The Beatitudes are something you go back to again and again and again. So keep repenting. Keep being reconciled to God. I, 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 would, I, wish we, I wish we had time. I would have Ken come up here and talk about tuning instruments to talk about repentance. And, Ken, I might be getting this wrong, and I'm not even going to try to do it like you, but he talks about how, I think, tuning an instrument is kind of like a work of reconciliation, where you're, you're trying to bring the instrument into tune with something greater. And I probably just messed that up. But those of you that play instruments kind of know what I'm talking about. The rest of you are like, my radio is always pretty much in tune, and I don't know what you're talking about. But tuning an instrument is not something that you do once and then forget about forever. Tuning an instrument is something you must do again and again and again. Even the piano that sits on the stage, as big and solid as it is, it has to be tuned again and again and again and again. Repentance is something you keep coming back to again and again and again. So don't think of repentance as, oh, I did that once, I never have to do it again. Think of it like tuning an instrument, like realigning yourself with the Christ. You are Jesus different, so keep repenting. Stay Jesus different. You are Jesus different, so keep going to Jesus for instruction and strength. Because I know, because it's kind of like, kind of like whenever we're playing in the water on the beach in Lake Michigan, and there's waves coming in, not huge waves, because that would tick some of us off, 
but just little waves uh, coming in. And, you know, we're throwing the football on the beach or throwing the Frisbee on the beach. And uh, it's, it's amazing how after five, ten minutes you look up and the lawn chairs are way over there. And you're way down here. Have you ever experienced that? Every time we go to the beach, I'm always amazed. Like, how did I end up way over here? Well, it's the current. The current just kind of gently pulls you, pulls the ball, pulls, pulls the game in a different direction. This is what happens to us. We just gently get pulled in a different direction. And what we need to do is keep going back to Jesus to anchor us and give us strength and hope and encouragement and instruction like, he is the center point that we anchor ourselves to. I was struck by this, this same idea when we were down on the missions trip. And we saw these people living in cycles of poverty. And what it reminded me of was Whirlpool. You ever play Whirlpool? Where, you know, everyone is in the pool and they're walking in the same direction. And you get ten people walking around in the same direction in this little pool. And you really get a Whirlpool going. Have you ever played that game? And you really get, it really gets strong. And it's like, this is like what the forces of poverty are doing. These people, these people are stuck because they're stuck playing. They're all going in the same direction. It's like this bad downward spiral they're stuck in. And what Big Creek Mission is like is like, is like this light, this salt that's trying to help people walk upstream against the poverty and against the bad whirlpool that they're, that they're in. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You and I are in a whirlpool too, but we're so in it, we don't even know. It's not like the world and the world system is less sinful here or better here. It's just different. And we've been here so long, we can't see it. So what we have to do is we have to keep going to Jesus for sanity and clarity. This is what Jesus said. He says there's a broad road, the road of democratic consensus. It's the road that everybody's going. It's the big gate that everybody can get through. It's, it's, the, it's the direction that the whirlpool is going. But he said there's a narrow gate. And there's a narrow, hard path that's upstream. And you keep bumping into people and it keeps ticking people off. But you must be different if you're going to make a difference. Walk upstream following Jesus. So, Jesus said, you're different. So keep repenting. Keep going to Jesus for instruction and strength. And finally, keep letting them see your good works. This is what he says in chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before those they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Will they see your beliefs? Probably not, but they will see your good works. Beliefs are important. Beliefs are like the roots of the tree. This is what we saw in Titus. Fruits are like the leaves of the tree, and the roots are judged by the leaves but the leaves come from the roots. I'm not here to denigrate beliefs. I am all about beliefs. I spend my life working on right beliefs. But beliefs have to translate to action. 
beliefs, you know, roots have to translate to fruit or they're not doing it right. And what Jesus said is, the tree is judged by its fruits. Its fruits. Your beliefs are finally going to be judged by your works. And your works are what people see. And your works are what give glory to God who is in heaven. So let them see your good works. I can't see who's in the, up in the... Is that Michael? Michael, will you turn off the lights? Just turn off all the lights, even the stage lights. Yeah, even the stage lights. I want it as dark as we can get it. Yeah, even those. You can't turn these off? Pull down the grandmaster on the right-hand side, the one on the far right-hand side. There you go. We're going to give you two candles on November 20th because you are the light of the world. The first candle is one that you will give to someone that you want to invite to church. And on the candle, it'll be a candle just like this. You can't see it because it's dark. But uh, it'll be a candle just like this, and it'll have a tag on it that has our church's website and the day of the service. It'll be 1218, the day when we have our kids' choir. Um, just like on Easter when we had the big kids' choir, we'll have another big kids' choir on 1218. And um, that'll be a good Sunday to invite people to. Now, you can invite people anytime. Well, like we, I try hard to preach in a way that you'd feel good about inviting them any week. God gives, but sometimes people need deadlines, and so we're going to give you a deadline of 1218. We're going to hand out these candles on 1120, um, the week before Thanksgiving. So we're going to give you two candles. The first one is for you to give to somebody. The second one is for you to have for yourself so that you remember to pray for the person that you gave the candle to. Now, why are we doing this? We're doing this because you are the light of the world. Whether you like it or not, you are the light of the world. Even if you'd rather not be, You are the light of the world. God has given you a purpose. He's given you a mission. He's given you meaning. He wants you to make a difference. You are the light of the world. So let your good works be seen by others. So they look up and give God praise. Why should you be different? Well, so God gets glory. Why should you be different? Well, so that people have a shot at knowing, so that people can see the light. For the world's sake, be different. For God's sake, be different. And you know, for your sake, for your sake, 
so you max out your purpose. Be different. Dear Heavenly Father, we don't understand how you could look at us and say you are the light of the world, but we trust your competency and we trust your power to make us the light of the world. So Lord, do your work in us for your glory's sake, for the good of the world, so that our purpose is maxed out. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.